2: Hello and welcome to the Brit Rest Roundtable. I'm Ollie Court, introducing a very special episode this week, as we give TV interviews that we recorded with the WXW Talent over 16 Carat Gold weekend. Uh today we've got Bobby Guns, Mike Bailey, Jonah Rock, Bad Bones John Klinger, Matt Riddle, and the man himself CMJ, all discussing their roles in WXW and the wider world of wrestling in general too. Uh, Unfortunately the audio quality for the Bad Bones and Bobby Gunn's interviews aren't the best, so we apologise for that. Uh, The Turbine and Harlow is an unforgiving environment to record in, to say the least, Uh, but we hope you enjoy all the interviews nonetheless. So with that, let's get started. Bobby. So your smoking break promos over the last year or so have sort of been a highlight of WXW, uh, in my opinion. Um, how much creative freedom do you have going into those promos? Is it literally just uh, what's off the top of your head, or um, like is there a sort of, sort of set list of things you need to get across? Um, most of the
3: time, I know a little bit of we're going in terms of and Actually, words, whatever I to say, it's off the off so I have total freedom with what I say, and I'm the only guy in the roster who uses, like, explicit language and all that stuff, so it's great, I love it. I love it. It looks like you're
4: having a ton of fun in WXW right now. After, where do you see yourself going after you've had this shotgun run? Um, uh, do you see yourself getting into the upper, upper card
3: after this? Actually, I don't pay too much attention to what's the next, uh, other than just the match tomorrow, and maybe next show is the show we have in London, the um, 24th, but other than that, I just want to live in the moment and give it my best that I can, so uh, that's most important for me, because in wrestling, there's so many things you can, you can look forward to, but most of the time, things change within a second, multiple times and, uh, so I actually don't believe anything until an it happens. Until it actually happens in this industry. I've been disappointed many times, like most of us. But that's just the nature of the business.
5: Uh, I we've seen you in your studio a few years ago when you were uh, still pretty inexperienced. That so you basically uh, grow up a little bit in front of the eyes of the of the fans, and you've come quite a long way. So how would you uh, describe your progress? progression of also teaming with your brother in the past and is that something that you'd like to do again in the future so uh, when
3: i stepped foot into the wrestling business first i wanted to be a singles wrestler but of course i have a brother who also started out with me so uh, it was a natural thing for us to team at first but i always picture myself as a singles wrestler because I love the, old, the great singles wrestler in my opinion, Billy Robinson, all these guys, Brian Danielson, all of them were like singles wrestlers all of the time. So uh, maybe the way I approached stuff that give character and all that stuff. But we had almost no characters. We were just, we were just amateur wrestlers who now professional wrestlers and that was it. So we had no um, yeah, no gimmicks and all that stuff. No no character like I do now. That was that was probably the main issue we had in the first years so what we talking about. So um, yeah, of course it's tough for me to have an injured brother at home who can just Wash all my stuff, because I know if I were in his position, being injured and out for a year or whatever, it would eat me alive. (laughs) Fuck off. I got really depressed when I was out for like, eight to nine weeks after I broke The gym already started. So it's like tiny baby steps, but he'll come back. Probably, maybe in the future. Who knows? Right? We're gonna team up once again to get the belts.
2: Um, recently, you've been uh, wrestling Absolute Andy a lot in a feud with him. What was it like, um, sort of trying to manage crowd reactions with you know a fellow bad guy in the ring with you? Um, like what were you trying to get across, and like how well do you think it came across? Yeah, so uh,
3: first, me and Andy, we had a total different approach when it comes to (laughs) wrestling. So it was difficult to begin with, but I think we did a very, very good job, surprised both of us. Uh, But of course, if you have heel versus heel, it's always a little different. So we let our characters speak for itself. It worked out so well. It worked out very well in the well, and even, even better in the humble where it's a fantastic crowd. A or a We had, we had um, the best many, best cities we could have for such a match. It was not very. It wasn't the local town show, the small show that we had. So for the rather big stages, it, it was fun and surprised both of us how good it worked out. It
6: actually, very fun. Hi, Bobby.
7: Your character, you know smoke is quite a unique character. Um, uh, you see quite a lot of characters kind of repackaged. I've never really seen this before. How did you come know about it? Was it just more of your uh, personality with, say, Dharma? Perhaps you noticed?
3: Um, The thing was, I was, or, or, or the smoker? Smoking a
6: lot, of, a lot of
3: shisha, so like the Turkish water pipe or something. And <laughs> on road trips, I couldn't get those, so I started buying. So it's stupid, I'm fucking stupid. Yeah, it's, it's become an uh, addiction. <laughs> uh, but on one we had one road trip, I believe it was to like some Eastern German city. And was, I was talking to Christian, to Jacobi, and I was like, Shouldn't I come to a rave? Okay, I'm having a cigarette because in Germany it's not that much of a deal. So I started uh, amateur wrestling when I was, uh, the, uh, yeah, I, I turned, yeah, I started in uh, October and in December I uh, turned 10 years old. Um, I was playing soccer at that time uh, and we just wanted to try something different. My father was really into Eastern martial arts, karate and kung fu and all that stuff. in school told me about wrestling on TV. It was like, oh my God, there's wrestling on TV, and I believe it was amateur wrestling, but it was It was uh, WWE SmackDown, and uh, I uh, the first match I, I watched, I believe it was Kurt Angle. In there. I Oh my god, this guy is amazing. This pro wrestling is crazy. It's even more fun. That seems to be more fun than amateur wrestling. Because amateur wrestling can get kinda of boring if you watch it. <laughs> it's a goddamn struggle, but often there's. Not a lot of motion, it's just a little bit of two guys fighting against each other, but very stale. Um, and then I checked out about wrestling in Germany, and uh, yeah, got to WXW and watched a couple of their shows and started as soon as I could.
2: Uh, you mentioned Hamburg earlier, and every Hamburg show you come out with the Werder Bremen flag, uh, I was wondering how that idea came about.
3: Into the into in 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 the arena with uh, a battle and April flags, and oh. fans oh. freak out. A couple of them love me actually for doing that and like, oh my god, you can't fucking do this because usually there's a whole lot of police when the two cities fight each other in a soccer match. It's crazy, and it just happened a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Yeah, to the day. And violent fans, strictly violent fans. I mean, it's, it's so much fun to come in there and to get booed and from people trying to rip it out of my hands or just try to spit at me. <laughs> and then, that's the most fun. That's the best thing you can do if you're a heel. I guess that's why Hong Kong is always so special to me. You
7: mentioned earlier about the being a singles wrestler, but uh, just before Christmas you had the run with Jackson Stone um, together, uh, how, how did that sort of come back, was it just sort of playing around in the gym or something, and you know, would you be willing to go back to that as a pairing, maybe perhaps for a tag league or something?
3: Actually I don't remember how that came about, I think at one point, me and Jackson, um, we're good friends, so you know we'll be hanging out backstage when he here in Germany. Uh, so I guess at one point maybe it was just making fun. Like, let's have a tag team match. And it worked out kind of well, and it was fun because we're, there's a big contrast in, in styles in the ring between the both of us. And uh, then they were like, oh my god, why, why not do like a little live It was amazing, you know, it was super fun. The promos that we did were amazing, we were making fun all the time. So uh, it was no, never ever serious, <laughs> we did there, but there. Uh, yeah, maybe we could come back to that when he returns. Yeah. Depends on how long I'll be champion. But yeah, like I said before, I like being a single wrestler the most. I love, love it. it.
5: You know, all the attention is on me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you mentioned the uh, uh, heel versus heel and the match. and um, you seem to enjoy yourself very much being a heel. To do all the stuff that you do. Would you consider any interest at all, maybe at some point, to return to the other side to become a, a good guy, a clean kind babyface, maybe, or maybe transition some of your personality over to maybe the Provost Guilds, over to being a babyface? Because some people actually thought that uh, after the whole thing that there might be some kind of redemption story for you. So is it something that uh, you would consider in the future? That's an
3: interesting question. Um, I asked myself before and I believe that the 2018 it's, it's difficult because there's not that much of heels and baby faces anymore. I think the lines are blurred more and more. And, so, and it's a good thing. It's more about characters, I think. There's a good guy, and there's a bad guy who's only bad and just cheats all the time. And the good guy is super good of a wrestler, he doesn't have to cheat and he smiles all the time. Um, The very cartoonish era is over, and I'm glad it is actually. Um, And I guess, yeah, the more time passes. Less important are Babyface and heel kickers but in, uh, when, we, when we were talking about me and Andy, we have similar gimmicks, we have similar characters already, so that was, it was tough for us, and we both had the, the, the heel reactions that we got most of the time, but I guess in the future, he heel, was a Babyface, it's probably gonna vanish at, at some point, so maybe for good, you
2: know, of the business. Um, last year's ambition for you uh, was <laughs> um, a fairly short-lived affair. How was it um, fighting Matt Riddle in that kind of environment?
3: Uh, I uh, worked out with Matt a little bit in the ring we have in the uh, backstage area. And he's, he's a machine, he's a savage. it's almost impossible to make a tap. I consider myself a good amateur wrestler, sort of. but of course, I'm not an expert in the submission moves. I know a good amount of submission moves like classic catch wrestling submission moves, which differ a lot from like the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu stuff, but Matt Riddle's fantastic, so he's on a whole other level. And I know that if you, like, try to shoot with a match, he's just gonna kill me. <laughs> most, of us, most of the roster, um, well, most of the guys in the industry, so Vendor is amazing on the wrestler. He knows all the little, little. let me say, like tricks and stuff. He knows how joints are built up, where to put his finger in, and all these little details, which make a huge difference. He's, he's an expert really fantastic, yeah.
4: Speaking of Matt Riddle being an absolute phenomenon, uh, who's your money on the super fight between Matt Riddle and Bolta this weekend?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough. So I'll go with Matt Riddle, I guess. He's just he's almost unbeatable. in his home game. So when it comes to vision, probably Matt Riddle. <laughs>
2: in DDT for the last couple of years, how do you think you've evolved and changed as a wrestler from working in Japan so regularly? What have you picked up from that?
1: Um, it, well it's a completely different style over there. So just like any other country compared to
6: different
1: pick up bits and pieces and there's so many so many different kinds of counter wrestlers over there, like, there, there's a lot of the, obviously there's the funny side of BDT, there's a lot of people that work the more serious side, and it's just picking up and getting to catch on the mix of all that. Um, that's really been something that's been eye-opening, the way they change back and forth from one style to the other, and then everyone's able to do both and just adapt to get that way. In the time
7: that you've been coming over to Europe and you've seen the progression of the European wrestling scene,
5: how do you feel it sort of stands up now compared to when you first came over and started working with WSW? Um, if I had started coming to
6: Europe
1: a couple of years before, my answer would be a lot different. Um, the first time, I think I came over to England for Ref Pro and then started coming from there. So, uh, Europe, had already just started blowing up, obviously, and now it's one of the hottest places indie wrestling in the world. So, <clears throat> I don't want to take credit for that whole, like, explosion and the wrestling getting so big, but I think I, I made that happen for the most part. You did. Yeah, thank you.
7: Right. Um, so recently nice t-shirt. Buddy. Thank you. He he was was lovely, uh, thank you. you, know, the, uh, <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, recently you had the probably, I was calling one of the matches of the year between you and uh, Bad Bones recently. Yeah, man. I thought that was awesome. awesome, awesome match. But thank you. you. You've got a huge match against Bobby Guns this weekend, so what's your views on, uh, on that? Coming off a, a, a loss, but... Potentially pretty much in the year, in my opinion?
1: So, um, obviously, Bad Bounds and Body Guns are two very different styles of wrestlers, so um, it's probably going to be completely different, but uh, no less good So, I mean, it's happened a couple times to me, and again, I don't want to tune my, my own horn here, but uh, a couple matches that people have call match of the year, and people don't even realize it's like February.
6: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, yeah, no, people said that was like the, the biggest of XW match, but they've had like three before that. They had like three marquee events, so that was. Of the year, like there's gonna be, I'm sure tonight, like we're what, we, what are we? March 9th, right? There's gonna be like a hundred matches this weekend that are gonna to top the one I have with that one. So maybe, like, if it still counts as a match of the year contender after at least this weekend, then it earns some credibility. But you can't just go and call a match match of the year when a promotion has had like two main events, two other ones. Not that the match wasn't good, right? They didn't love it, or bad notes were freaking phenomenal, but still.
6: February,
1: a bit early than the in here.
8: Okay, so just be careful with that,
6: everyone.
5: Mikey you've had a great match with Mark Haskins yesterday at the Intersepo match and the desert card. You'll be facing uh, Jonah Rock as well uh, this weekend. Um, what are your thoughts on him? Have you seen a lot of him before? And also, do you prefer to face smaller, like uh, Eskimos or like the more massive and ones, like of-
1: Um Yes, of course, i have seen
5: uh, like a ton of his
1: matches before ever since. Like, I didn't know him until he started doing PWG and then really blown up and has been everywhere since then having phenomenal matches. I met him for the first time the last Sunday at the Tanikaze Pro UK and then I got to see him wrestle again at the Inner Circle Strike. But uh, ambition is really special. Um, because it's again, it's that, that those shoot periods are just completely different, and uh, I, I'm very happy that me maybe one of the smaller guys in the tournament, maybe the smallest guys in that tournament, fighting off against, I don't know who's, who's bigger, Joe Rock or Walker. <laughs> uh, much right. well, so it's the small guy is the biggest guy which you will not see anywhere else because according to mixed martial arts world, like all over the world, it's been completely illegal since 1991. <laughs> so I'm very excited for that.
2: Um, do you take any pride in um, yes. having such a great career <laughs> and having loads of great matches around the world, but not in the USA or not really a lot in the UK either, which is sort of like the two bigger places and obviously not in like in a smaller company in Japan. Do you take pride in like having great matches for smaller promotions? Um, not especially,
1: no. <laughs> um, seriously, uh, not really, because it's just... Wherever you would be, I'm going to try to have the best coaching. Always help okay. it, even if there's 30 people in the crowd and it's the, the, the worst coaching you've ever seen. Always, <laughs> my best. And just because I don't know. It would be silly to take pride in something that it's not like it's not a conscious choice. Obviously, if I had my own say I would have made of a menu wrestling. Yeah. But I don't. I'm in a lot of smaller promotions, which I'm totally okay with because it's just it's it, like it's a different kind of wrestling. My goals are slightly different, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not, instead of making millions of dollars. I feel like a lot of a lot of times, Especially uh, in Canada where I work for a lot of smaller promotions because obviously wrestling is not as big as the UK or Japan. And, um, when I'm on those shows and I actually like the crowd is actually excited to see me because my you know, my name is not drowned in a bunch of other world class pro-wrestlers and But it's nice. I mean, it's nice to get to do that, to go to a show and really feel like I elevated, but, you know, if I had the chance to wrestle for all those weird proportions, I, I would. It's just My career didn't work out this way, and that's fine. Hello. Hello. Hi, Mike.
6: Hello. I have a question about Twitter. Yes. And Cammy wants to
1: know who's your favorite opponent on Colin Cooper and Paul. Sorry, in Europe? Yeah. Man, that's such an question to answer lately. Because there's just there's too many people, right? There's too many people that have had just great matches and I keep wrestling David Starr. We've had like four singles matches at the beginning of the year and they've all been wonderful. And then the same thing with Travis Banks who went wrestled a couple times and then turn it us Travis Banks is today uh, sorry, uh, Mark Haskins actually was phenomenal and I'd love to do that again. These questions are completely unanswerable because there are way too many good wrestlers out there right now. It's, it's just
5: impossible to take uh, You've just mentioned uh, working in Canada. Um, what's the scene like there at the moment? So, uh, what are the promotions that uh, people internationally should watch out for Um oh,
1: The short answer is uh, C4 Smash Wrestling IWS FLQ. I'm sure I'm, not, I'm forgetting a lot, NSPW, Quebec City. So Quebec right now probably feels like England did maybe four years ago, where promoters are just starting to work together and bring people over, bring big names over, and collaborate with that, and give sacrifice, and obviously that just makes everything grow. Right now it's a lot of small promotions that all work really hard, and are, like, just growing. I mean, like this. When I started wrestling, was uh, like 10, eleven or twelve years old or something, in Quebec, no one made, no one made a dime. You had like, your average show in Quebec had about fifty people. Uh, last weekend, I was uh, there was a bunch of shows last Saturday. It was like f- four or five shows in Quebec alone. I they give track of All sold out which is something we've never seen before. So that region is, is growing, it's, it's again, it's like the UK was four years ago, and I hope that in, in about four years it will be where the UK is now. The borders are working together and the scene just completely explodes and everyone is better for it.
4: Hello. Uh, my question is, when, um, when you're okay to work in America again, do you plan on focusing more on the American wrestling scene than you do the European and Japanese wrestling scene at the moment?
6: No. Uh, my plan is always to just find where I have, uh, you know,
1: where I can do the best work and put out the best matches and make the best art. And if uh, when I can go back, that's America, that's where I'll go. If it's still Europe, that's fine. If it's Japan, that's okay too. Um, Hi. i just wondering, you've spent a lot of time here on TPT.
9: Which of their guys over there do you learned the most from, and which of the young guys, with the exception of
1: Takeshita, do you think has the brightest future? Well, if you if you go with the exception of Takashita, obviously number two is Endo right now. two your Endo, which is absolutely phenomenal. But, man, it's, it's, it's insane. So, a um, show of hands here, how many people know who Takashita Konosuke is? One, two, three, good. He is the best wrestler in the world. Huh. Um, that's not an exaggeration like, at all. There's very few people that I've wrestled that I can say, like, that, that I've had matches with, that I'm like, oh wow, when I wrestle, like me wrestling this guy makes me like twice as good as I am just because I'm in the ring with this person. There's like, there's Will Osprey, there's him, there's a couple of there's a bunch of others that are signed now. There's a few others that look, I just can't think of right now, but he is possibly the best wrestler in the world, and if you don't know him, then shame on <laughs> <laughs> Hi, and um,
9: just in terms Hello. of like references, is there anything that you go back and watch like that people wouldn't think that you watch as your style. That you
6: just
1: want to pick up on, especially when traveling to all these different places in Europe, Japan. Like, is there anything that you watch from for Those stories. Um, so my my watching wrestling routine usually centers around uh, what time. Like if I'm go if I know I'm going to wrestle someone eventually, then I'll try to watch as many of their matches as I can. Wrestle somewhere, then I try to watch as much of that as possible just to, to learn the style and learn what the crowds that I want. And this is something I say a lot to people. Like, there's a lot of wrestlers I don't like to watch. Like 90% of the wrestling they watch is old Nitro episodes, which is, is fun and all, but I don't think I don't think any current wrestler is gonna wrestle for WCW in 1994. I don't that's going to happen unless they can travel to time, which only a minority of pro wrestlers can, that's an exclusive idea. So yeah, I think that's what I watch and that's what you should watch. You should watch who you want to wrestle, who you want to wrestle like, and where you want to wrestle, right? Or where you're going to wrestle, That's, that's mostly. But other than that, I watch pretty much everything. Like of course I try to watch things where I'm actively studying or trying to learn something, but there's a lot like... Um, at the WSW department, I've been staying. There. We watch a lot of old UWF that, that, uh, shoot style wrestling. It's just, that's just fun, you know what I mean? But that, that's a part that's a minority of what I watch. Most of what I watch is actively things that I want to do. Most of the wrestling I watch is studying, even though I uh, completely enjoy watching stuff.
2: Um, you've been based in WXW for a little while now, and um, at the apartments. Yes. How have you enjoyed the experience? Here, and have you enjoyed like participating in the shotguns uh, skits and like being on some of the smaller shows? Like, how has the whole WXW experience been for you?
1: It's been great. Um, so their setting is ideal for my lifestyle right now. Where I'm Mostly homeless, but I live wherever productions am resting. me also. Um, I got to spend. So I have one more week here in Germany before I go to Japan. I got to spend a month and a half, or more than a, about a month and a half, living with Veda Scott, which is the most we've done for uh, a while now. And just the fact that we stay there and we have access to the gym and the ring every day, and that that's what we've been doing. Just uh, living, we've been training together. Living it's been wonderful. Just the setup at the academy where you have access to the ring 24 7. That's something Beta and I, I wanted a lot. You know I mean? Just to have a place where we can both do what we love every day for how many hours we're work and just work and drop. The Hi, Mike. Uh, maybe we
6: we'll, can we'll go back to
1: the travel
9: to for First impression change of uh, fighting sports, karate, to wrestling. Yeah and wrestling, is it a completely different idea of fighting
1: uh, trust and, first impression, just time? So, I grew up with two brothers and a sister, and we all just fought all the time, so that's how I learned to love. Um, and then eventually I saw, on TV, The Brood trying to set Kane up, or Kane, sorry, Kane was trying to set The Brew up as <laughs> I
6: was like,
1: wow, this is awesome, I love wrestling after that, and then me and my, me and my brother started wrestling at home in the kitchen. I don't know, they tell you not to do you it. Know, they tell you not to do it, and then you see Jeff Hardy jumping off the ladder, like, don't do this. It looks so cool, and there's a ladder in my backyard, and my brother's just laying there. So what am I supposed to do? <laughs> um, that being said, yeah. Like, so from, like, seeing that when I was like seven, I was like, wow, I want to be a pro wrestler. And I, even when I started martial arts just a few years after, I was like, kind of in the back of my mind was always, oh, I want to do this. This will be good when I when I start wrestling eventually.
5: And then that became for Last question. Um, you've briefly mentioned uh, in the Yes. Um, you two have, I think, a mixed match back in October in the UK. Yes. Uh, is that something that you'd be interested in uh, doing more
1: or uh, just uh, wrestling together with in the future? Absolutely. That that tag team match, which was at uh, WCW, which is not enough was probably the most fun I've had wrestling in several years. And like I said, I think Axe is really working on tag team moves you could do. So. Like, it's something that we're actively pursuing that we, I would really like to do, just to have us be attacking and wrestling. And it's something you can do. that I'm actively interested do, And uh, I think as under gender wrestling gets more popular, right, that's a thing that, we, that more places will be open to when we're just looking. For well, that's exactly what I want to do, right, man. All right. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for the questions. Thank no, you so you. much.
4: Oh, yeah. Last night, your introduction to WXW was facing Malta. That's right. How's the chest today and uh, <laughs> what are you thinking of WXW so far?
8: Uh, the chest is a little better. It is very tenderized now, so hopefully, I don't get too chopped the rest of the weekend. Um, so, first experience of WXW was great. Right. The crowd, even in the inner circle at the dojo show, was still very respectful. And, Reactive to everything, just uh, taking
6: showers.
10: Hey Joel, um, a couple
1: of years ago you had the chance to become a part of the Maidoga deal. That's right, yeah.
9: Uh, and Prost of Noah as well. I would like to know how your experiences were in the Noah Dome. Joel, I went on tour with Prost
8: Yep. uh it was really good. I spent time over there from 2013 to 2015, so three years in a row. Um, yeah, I became a part of the Minero meal, and uh,
6: two of the members are now in WWE as yes, Team 6-1. Uh, we actually have grown as well, so
8: there's about seven members now. Uh, personally though, no, it's a dojo, it was hard, hard work. Um, we trained every single day, uh, also before the Shores as well. Uh, we trained at uh, the who as well himself and the rest of the Taniguchi is also one of the coaches um, so it was a great experience uh, Japan was always a goal of mine wrestling wise that's where i always wanted to go and sort of the style that i wrestled so i look to hopefully go back there either uh, this year or next year uh, and continue doing that style
1: what was it like
11: to face Minoru Suzuki during New Japan's recent Australia tour? Yeah, it was great.
8: Uh, he hits almost as hard as Walter. I'm going to put it on record and say Walter hits harder than Minoru Suzuki. Whether I get beat up by Suzuki Goon for that, I don't know. Um, but the New Japan tour in Australia was fantastic, lots of big crowds. Uh, and I got to face him in like a, a famous place in Australia, in Melbourne. Uh, I, I've wrestled him before in NOAA, but never in a singles match, so it's good to have a big feature singles match with him, and yeah, much like the match with so we just beat each
6: other up. Yeah.
8: Hi Jonah,
2: you're obviously one of the biggest stars in the Australian scene right now, which is really the burgeoning scene in the world currently. Could you tell us a little more about how the Aussie scene has grown to this point, um, and just let us know what it is about it that makes it must see right now
8: yeah uh, I think the, the Australian scene has just been a little bit of the unknown uh, especially in the last 20 years uh, Australian wrestling's been going for 100 years so there's always been wrestling in Australia it started out carnivals and to catch wrestling and into pro wrestling like most places uh, it was really famous in the 60s and 70s because it was on TV and then as soon as they lost the TV it's sort of away. In the last 10 years though there's been a lot of uh, upcoming talent that's gone all around the world from Australia and from that from myself, people like Adam Brooks, uh, guys at Team 61 Buddy Murphy who's also in WWE. So these guys are branding out and being seen around the world now. The C back home is getting seen a little bit more. Uh, I think it's only going to grow and grow and hopefully become bigger, especially now with the, with the social media and the internet. You can go to video demand services and see these things. So, uh, uh, hopefully, it just keeps growing.
5: So, you're for us, in Australia, you've been to Japan, you've been to the US or so recently, and uh, I think this is your first tour covering the UK Germany. So, how would you compare those different places? And if you can say,
8: what uh, are some of the things that like to locations? I think the UK and Germany especially, like, the wrestling seems really good. Uh, there's, all, there's so many companies, so many promotions, so there's always a place for you to go and wrestle. Uh, at the moment, the fans in the UK as well are very appreciative, so it makes it, it, makes it even better to be able to go out there and, and get that sort of, sort of reaction from people that you've never wrestled in front of before. Again, I think that's because of the internet. Um, I, I try to wrestle the same wherever I go. I guess the only thing I disliked about the UK and Germany so far is the weather. <laughs> <laughs>
6: <laughs> Apart from that,
8: after, I, love, I love getting to see the UK and Germany. But yeah, back home, it's, it's nice and sunny every day.
2: Uh, you recently wrestled Zack Sabre Jr. for Progress and obviously he was one of the people you wrestled in NOAA during your time there. Uh, do you feel that uh, you've improved as a wrestler in that time? And also, have you stayed in contact with Zack between the NOAH
8: tours and NOW? Yeah, uh, yeah, we definitely kept in contact. So we lived together, I think, for six months in the dojo, in Buckbed. So he was above me, I was on the boat, so it's very easy to get to know someone when you live like that. Uh, I think the first time we wrestled was within him and I think since then I've grown as a wrestler obviously so Zach is world famous now so um, it's been good to, as time has gone on, go against each other and change a little uh, so we've wrestled each other in Japan, uh, US, Australia and now uh, UK as well so we have to just do some more countries that I mean, way uh, Hi um, so you
7: mentioned earlier uh, and just have yourself out on the road to kind of, kind of, kind of yeah. jump over it. Um, many, many Australians and New Zealanders have kind of made a jump in recent years. So, um, Fletcher Davis as well, yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, who else um, do you think could make a huge impact in from the Australian scene that
8: you would love to make the jump oh, okay. over as well? Yeah. Uh, I think the, the the one person that comes to mind is a wrestler called Damien Slater, some of you guys have been in his work in the Cruiserweight Classic. Um, I think he's, he's, a, he's a great talent and if he could come out, especially to the UK and Germany, great wrestler. He's wrestled in Japan as well, and he was recently on the New Japan Tour myself uh, in Australia. I think uh, him, another wrestler called Elliot Sexton, who at the moment is is back in Australia, but has been in the U.S. for a little bit. Um, those are the two that I think could make a big impact
9: worldwide. you which I disliked
8: and liked it but uh, what were some of your favorite experiences uh, in Japan and some of your least favorite experiences in Japan? Um, Japan-wise, obviously the wrestling was fantastic. Um, the training was very grueling, lots of sit-ups, lots of push-ups, lots of running stairs, lots of squats, so that's always hard, but that gets easier. There wasn't much I disliked about Japan, I think it's a beautiful country, the people are very nice, everyone's really nice, the food's great, so I mean apart from getting a lot of cardio <laughs> I really liked it.
5: So, uh, you'll be facing Tim Thatcher in the tournament and also at Mission Tomorrow you'll be facing Mike Bailey, who we talked to earlier today. Okay, yes. Yeah. So, uh, how did you prepare for those two matches and uh, how are you looking
8: forward to wrestling those very different guys? Uh, I'm looking forward to the match tonight with or oh, Obviously, he's another member of oh. Green like. I want to. Uh, I think I have a very similar mindset to them when it comes to wrestling. So, you know, I like to get the job done, I like to hit hard. Uh, I don't know Tim is the same way. Um, contrasting styles a little bit with Speedball. He's obviously a lot quicker, he throws a lot of kicks. Uh, so, for my vision, uh, I do train in jujitsu at home. So, I'm going to try and use those jujitsu skills to be able to combat his kicks and pretty much just hold him down. I don't think he can get away from me. Hi, right. um, for the rest of 2018
5: do you have a clear defined plan over where you want to be working and how long you want to be working there yeah. are you looking at, at being away to the Australian scene for sort of an extended period of time or is it a case where you want to go out and be able to come
8: back and then obviously you, with, a, with a greater name and a higher profile uh, at the moment was in 2018 i probably Continue to uh, go out and venture around the world. I know I'll be in the States a little bit more time for PWG this year. I'm hoping I should be back in the UK summertime, so around August. Um, but I do want to venture out but also come back for the Australian scene, so I really want to try and push that to make that bigger as well. And I think if more stars keep leaving and staying in other places, that means other people have to start trying to come up. So if the stars that are there can try to help those guys come up, it's going to be better So a bit of both this year, trying to do both.
5: Uh, you've recently obtained a small injury at a show I think last weekend, uh, can you update us uh, on your status and are you 100% again going into your match this Saturday?
10: First of all, hello ladies and gentlemen, thank you for having me here. Um, yeah, I got I got a, bit, a bit injured last week, I uh, got locked out. Now, I, was, I was knocked out for like a, a little while, but um, I think I am okay and I will be able to defend my title tomorrow. I don't say 100%, but uh, I would actually claim that I'm hundred than one
2: Hi John. could you tell us a little bit about how the Rise faction, the Rise story came together for you? Like, let us in a bit on how it all planned out and how it, you were involved in it
10: well, that started a long time ago. I don't know if you have noticed that like, I was wearing like, drugs before and everything. Uh, that kind of changed when, when I, I, had the, I had the best of Europe giving and that kind of changed when like, I had a looking streak, and I, I was kind of the whole time, so I changed something to my character, which was like I, I always added something darker in it, and then at one point and i was wearing like a mask and stuff like that and then there there was like superstars of wrestling and the rice actually came in so um say that it was like much longer than you actually thought so if you if you followed wxw for a longer time you should have noticed that there was something going but you never knew what it was until the virus hit
2: so like, did you have any choice in the guys who were in the storyline um, and, and like how it played out? Like, Absolutely. I
11: always I always
10: choose quality, so I have the guys with the most quality in my faction. Except for me. I don't
6: know.
4: I asked this question at the Tag League to so Christian um and it kind of got dismissed, but I'd like to hear it from yourself. What happened to the WoW movement? Why, why didn't that take off? It seemed like you had a good bunch of guys ready to go, the merch was looking good, and it felt, what happened?
10: Yeah, I, I found better guys, and actually the most dominant fashion in WSW history, so the wow movement just like kind of disappeared, but you still see there's the in there, so I've gone back into our Rise fashion. So there's still some movement going, but now Rise is on top. Hello What um, some people might not know about you is that
7: you spent some time in the, from British wrestling perspective, you spent some time in Britain in the mid 2000s playing for All Star and like, Friday the UK. Uh, this past year you've done a lot of work in what culture, pro wrestling. What would you say, like, the, the main differences from the British wrestling that you knew then as to what it is now, um, and how we've been impacted those stints in British wrestling have in your career in 2000s?
10: Well, British wrestling fans are amazing. They always, they always appreciate what you do, and um, they always appreciate my work. Um, see, see, that when when we started the first Sunday, there yeah, was like 2006. I mean, they start to appreciate what I, what I was doing at that time, and I was still green because I started in 2004. Uh, and I didn't, didn't realize how much I have to appreciate what they do, because without without the fans, I would be where I am. So, uh, and coming back to my, like my ipw what culture, it was like, uh, amazing to see how I was still uh, much appreciate the appreciated just the fans are, and um, yeah, I, I, I really appreciate that. Yeah.
5: So you've got your uh, Rutile match coming up with Walter on Saturday and uh, he will pick the stipulations he hasn't made public with How do you prepare for that kind of match and also since Walter is a very brutal man, we all saw him uh, uh, dismantling, yeah, a serious parent. How did you do any special kind of preparation for like dealing with his jobs and all uh, the stuff he does? not doing? I am
10: prepared for it. I don't care what he brings and what he does or whatever he wants. I am gonna make sure that Walter won't his champion. So I'm gonna beat his his ass up. No matter what. He can he can chop the hell out of me. I don't care. You know, because have ever felt my chops, I ever seen my chops, everyone's bust at Walter open. So yeah, bust me open. Get me down. I will rise anyways. How does this
4: uh, Heavyweight Championship compare to your first Heavyweight Championship run in 2008? Um, Obviously, you've won the championship four years into your career and now you're considered a a veteran in WXW. How how is this done for you now compared to then?
10: Well, I've
6: grown
10: a few years. Now, like I said before, I was still pretty green and uh, when I won the title, I might not have been ready for that because like, it was something big for me. I, I became a, a biggest star that I was at that point point. Uh, and it's it hard to deal with that stuff and um, to win the, the title at like, this time it was something special. It, it was, you know, that was something the, the, the promotion gave back to me for all the years where I lived for that.
2: Uh, you mentioned Pete Bouncer earlier. Uh, why do you think he's acting out? I mean, you are his boss, right? Like, why doesn't he respect you? I
10: am his leader, not his boss. Yeah. <laughs> why? why is acting out? I mean, you know, he, he always, like, he, he's injured, he loses matches, and then he's mourning around, you know, what, what should I do? I, I, was, I was paying for his rehab. Hell! Yeah. And, and never go thank you for it. Damn it, it wasn't he, right?
7: <laughs> uh, good afternoon, John. Um, assuming you uh, come through this weekend, um, there's two, potentially three members of Ryzen 16 current builds. Um, how would that, whilst it would be a great honour for a 16 current open winner as well, how would that play out for your factions in general um, if uh, you had the world championship and also another contender as well? Well,
10: first, first of all, we're going to have three guys in 60 carat because Eli uh, Keefe has got to win the ultimate tonight and uh, then it's got to beat David Starr so uh, then we have we have Lucky Kid in there we have uh, the Mac in there there is no way that we don't win 60 carat in any way and how it goes after that we're going to see How's it going John? Okay. So,
7: uh, you, you and Walter are both former 16-charac winners. Uh, your main event tomorrow so I'll call it, uh, Championship Saturday. Do you have any words for him right now if he was listening?
10: Well, I slayed a dragon before, so I have no problems to slay a ring
5: to. Um, you said that you and Kiev would so qualify and also be in the tournament. So with uh, Tarkhan, obviously uh, injured, so he can't this weekend, so if actually all three Rise members are in, you in the main event on Saturday, uh, that leaves Pete Bouncer once again uh, on the sidelines. So don't you think that would add to his frustration, and how are you going to deal with that? It's a good question. Yeah. Never thought of Pete an Bouncer.
6: Hmm. start thinking then...
4: It looks like you're the most fun you have ever had in WXW in the years that you've been here. But we've also seen some of the best independent talent in the world get snapped up by a company over in Florida. Okay. Have have you had any contact at all yet? Because I think you're doing your best work and now would be the time that eyes would be on you. Have you had, has anyone come forward and ask you the question if you're interested in going over?
6: Maybe.
2: Um, some of the Rise segments on Shotgun, like your team meetings, um, have been some of like the more technically different, uh, visually uh, that we've seen on Shotgun. Um, how different was it filming with like three camera setups and stuff? Uh, did you enjoy set, like filming with those uh, with that different camera setup than usual? Yes! I mean,
10: you are able to see the, the facial expression of the other guys and you're not just like, have like those, those normal look like, like the whole table. Like, because if something happens here, you never know what the guy there does or there does. So, you, like, like in, in a good movie, you want to see the facial expressions of the other guy, what happens when, when, when you say something and how to react right? I mean, how did you guys enjoy it? Did you like it? There you go.
9: Um, is there anyone out there in the wrestling world that you would like to recruit to rise, like anyone that you'd like to bring in from outside of
10: the There are probably a few people, but I can't tell you about it because maybe I'm already on that, and you will see it soon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, I can't I just tell you, uh, but yeah, Yeah. Uh,
5: there. Hello. Really simple question. What are your goals for the remainder of 2018? Looking, not wanting to look looking past to this weekend, assuming that you win.
6: Like
10: my main goal? Or like let me let me let me put the main goal up to the whole promotion? I wanna I want to see uh, I will, I will use rise today, but it, it will, will be we'll used in a different way. I want to see WXW rise even bigger than it actually is. With like having a like thousand people every day, like that 60 carat is something really big. It's something for the first time. And I, I just want to see the promotion grow even bigger. So if that is the start of today, and I today and learn on the whole, whole weekend, uh, let's get it even bigger. And... Uh, Next next year's carrot and we're gonna have like the double of it, or three
2: times of it, yeah. Thank you. Uh, which member of Rise above all the rest of them, would you pick as your tag team partner if you had to? I
10: mean, there, there's the right hand of the devil, which I have chosen to be into Rise, which is the man.
5: He is the one I always get. You just mentioned the Mac. Um, probably not a lot of people saw it coming when he assisted you uh, back in October. So, can you tell us anything on what you did to him, or what you promised him, what you talked to him about to uh, actually get him to join your group? No.
10: Nope. And <laughs> <laughs> always step ahead.
6: question.
5: Seems like you went to the airport, got checked in, then went to the arena for MLW, rather than ECH. But then had about uh, 50 minutes or so to go back to the airport, take, a, take an international flight to Dublin, <laughs> and then get on to another plane and come here. So, how are you feeling?
11: You know, uh, I feel pretty good. You know, uh, I'm kind of used to the international travel at this point. It gets a little strenuous. the airport ahead of time, check in, do all that. This time I actually made it pretty good, pretty good time. The last time, not so much, I was being sprinted to the airport, sweat. I had like a 30 minute nap top Tom Wallen. It was just one of those times. The last time was pretty easy, pretty good flight, slept most of the way, got on my other flight, slept there, got in the car, and now I'm here talking to you guys. Pretty easy.
6: Oh, oh this guy. I know you and
11: Matt I saw an,
5: an announcement about an, an ambition like tournament at WrestleMania
11: Who came up with that? Uh, so myself and the five people with game changer wrestling that also do films for the they came up to me and they said, Hey we wanna do a, a kind of a And I suggested, hey, I don't know if you guys have ever seen Bloodsport, Jean-Claude Van Damme, right? So I was like, hey, let's do Matt Riddle's Bloodsport. And they're like, oh, right. And WrestleMania, there's so many shows that weekend. You know, there's probably like 75 to 120 shows from probably Wednesday to Sunday. So you're going to see a lot of lockups, a lot of headlocks, a lot of Irish, You're going to see a lot of the basic stuff over and over. So, to me, how could we stick out? Have more of a shoot style tournament. Have MMA fighters in the tournament, you know? So, it's basically shoot style wrestlers that know how to shoot. And shoot MMA fighters that do it professionally for a living, meeting for the first time and mixing it up. Also, we don't have ropes on the rings, it's only submission and knockout, and there's no disqualification. Because, you know, when you got guys like Nick Gage and people like that, you don't know what the hell they're going to do. So, no DQ is the way to go. So that's what I did. I think it's going to stick out. We have some tiki torches, maybe some drums playing, <laughs> with the cubate feel. You know, maybe some Bromate, Bromat. Not bad. Not Austin, bad. Matt, how are you? Very good. How are you? Not bad. Look good.
4: Thanks. A year ago, I asked you about defending your ambition championship this weekend, and you said that no one's done it before, so you should be the first. How did you feel about being
11: left out in tournament? And did you have that conversation about being in it and defending your title? You know, I was... I didn't even know if I was going to get invited to the event this year, you know? Everybody was getting announced and I was kind of just waiting for the call. And then some people got pulled from the event and then I got my call. And I was like, alright, I'm going to defend my ambition championship. But then they put me in a super fight with Walter me and Walters we really have a few Going, not just here in Germany, not just in England, not just in America. It's it's a world feud, you know? And when we get in there, it's always an ambition. It's always a shoot. So I think it just made more sense to take me and Walter, make us the main event or the co-main, whatever it is, and have us just fight, you know. Uh, and to be honest, I think I would have won ambition again. I know Tim Thatcher's in it, and you know, I faced him in the finals to beat him, and he's extremely Really tough, he's a gifted athlete, but at the end of the day, I'm a world champion, jiu jitsu, national champion, fought the UFC. I've done everything, you know. When it comes to combat sports, I've done it, you know. So, I still think I would have won the audition tournament like two times. Hey, hey,
9: so you just <laughs> talked about you and the Walta uh, and the special relationship in uh, your matches. My question is. Um, How is your mindset
11: going into an ambition match in contrast to going into a regular wrestling match with Walter? Well, you know, the the last time, me and Walter have had usually normal basic wrestling matches. the last time we faced was actually in America at the ball. And I have a new style of match. It's basically a no rope breaker, which seems basic, but you can pin under the ropes, you can spin the ropes, you can do whatever. And for me it's more natural. So because in a cage or even an M mid it doesn't matter if you get on the ropes or in the cage or anything, the rest's not gonna count. I get to stomp you out, beat you up, you gotta work your way out. It's a lot harder. The advantage Walter has an ambition is it's a shoot style fight, but there's rope breaks and pancreas. So I think Walter is going to have a slight advantage, one, size and power, but two, with, with the rope breaks, because it's going to save him. I'm going to put him in submissions. He's going to want to get out. He's not going to be able to. He's going to be able to get the ropes. And he's a huge guy. It's not like he has to reach too far to grab it. you know? So, But regardless, I still plan on knocking him out. Maybe
5: he's a but he's too big. I think it knock out what's up. Uh, uh, so a follow-up question to uh, Walter. Um, he also has a bar match scheduled for tomorrow night against Batbones. So, do you think that he maybe not put 100% of his effort in to kind of stay a little bit fresh for the evening? And must play a very strategy?
11: I mean he could do that, but if he holds back against me, it's probably gonna hurt him more in the long run. You know, so if he tries to like kinda get by me or kinda take the easy way out, I don't let people take the easy way out. But if he lays down, I'm gonna beat him while he's dead. You know what I'm saying? And if anything, it, it's good for bones because, regardless, it takes the easy way out, it takes the hard way out. Walter's going to get his ass kicked tomorrow. Straight up. That's what I do. Every time we get in the ring, I mess him up. He messes me up, too. I got scars on my chest to show. But at the same time, like I, I mark him
2: up, too. So
11: it, he's going to be at a disadvantage in that title match Hi,
2: Matt. You sort of conquered the world of indie wrestling over the last year or so, like what do you feel is next to you? You mentioned you're sort of running your own show at Mania Weekend, is that sort of what you'd like to get more into, sort of getting more into the production side as well as the wrestling side? Not at all. I, I, I hate
11: promoting, I hate booking, I, I, I hate dealing with all that stuff. I love performing, I love I just, I don't like being in that position. I would say position of control and power. I just don't like that position because I don't feel like, I, I don't like being in that spot. I don't like being in control of stuff like that, you know? Uh, so I, I wouldn't take that route. Right. But in the future like independent wrestling, I really think the place to be is the Indies right now. As you can see, like, we're to do what we want, say what we want, wrestle the
6: way we want, get over the way we want, and be ourselves. While if you go to the bigger
11: machine, they change you, or they make you play a stupid character or something like that, and there's nothing against them. Sometimes it works even better than their original character. But for somebody like me, I think the independence is where I belong, it's where I'm at, and until somebody gives me an offer I can't refuse, this is where I'm staying. But, um, you briefly mentioned the Tom
5: Lover. Uh, we've all seen our uh, Ron Raous he recently went into wrestling machine and Pizzola has made some waves in MXT. So uh two part question maybe so would you say that for MMA fighters who are somewhat interested in wrestling that would be a natural progression to of the game that uh, and also if some of the answers you've been very successful to a transition, uh, for example with Radical, you know, what, what could be different in you know, how to really speed up the progression and uh, take to all these paths that are important to
11: today? Yeah, that's that was an awesome two-part question. You know, uh, I, I, I think it is an option for some mixed martial artists to make the transition from MMA to program. Wrestling. But as you've seen in the past, like the gracie's and others, it, just because you can fight and do some submission holds and punch and get punched doesn't mean you can wrestle. And I think a big thing that helps me help Tom Law is helping help Shayna, and probably the most successful mixed martial arts even Josh Barnett, is they were fans growing up. Like, I love pro wrestling. I grew up to be a pro wrestler growing up. I just thought I was way too small. I wrestled amateur because that's what all the great pro wrestlers did growing up. And then when I got to college, I just felt like UFC, MMA was blowing up big. There was weight classes I could fit in. And that's the way I went, you know? But I think for a lot of these people, if you're a fan of professional wrestling, it's easy to get into it. It's still extremely difficult because you go from a world of no selling and not showing any pain or emotion or anything. Now somebody barely touches you, and it's gotta be over the top dramatic, you know. And some people have an hack for it, others don't, you know. And I feel like Tom, Tom is a great for Rhonda, even even and I love both of them. They're great, you know, but they're really tough. I feel like they have a harder time selling. So, especially dramatically, because they're so used to just getting hit and still fighting that they're not used to that yet. So, if I talk to Ron or anything like that, I'd say the biggest thing for a mixed martial artist to work on isn't our athleticism, isn't our movesets, it's ourselves. That was my obstacle when i started because like i said you know i smile a lot but usually when i got punched in the face in the ufc i wouldn't even blink. that and sometimes i'm rocked. but it's like you just don't show it because if you show it even if you smile or wink or anything they know they did something to you no response means you're you know So I think selling is the baseline, thing. Selling, and then of course, match structure, who you're working with, playing to your opponent's strengths as well as your own, you know. But that's a whole, whole different ballgame, you know. But there's a lot that goes with the wrestling. I fought, fought at the highest level, did jiu-jitsu at the highest level, all that. And I would still say professional wrestling, even though I've been as successful as I am, has been the hardest thing I've ever done you gotta be entertaining, you gotta be charismatic, you gotta be athletic, you gotta you gotta be everything. While fighting, you just gotta be a badass, you just gotta be tough. That's it. While wrestling, you have to be the full package. And that's what's the best part about wrestling. Is it's not one dimension, it's everything.
7: Uh, just on the selling point then, uh, are there any things that you notice that wrestlers and the way they sell? Maybe pet peeves so you, think because you've been in real fights, that's not realistic, that's not how I do it. Because that's one thing I'd say I've noticed about your work is you sell
11: differently than people who've just been professional wrestlers their whole life. So, can you talk a little bit to that? Yeah, well, I think wrestling, like yes, I think you're told to portray to a whole audience, a whole crowd. I think that's why they stomp while they punch and do stuff like that, which is way over the top. You've never seen that. Or say like this: some, a fire, up, and somebody clotheslines or punches somebody three times, they bump to their back three times, and then get up to get slammed. I I don't get it. And like, and I've had guys like Cody Rhodes and others try to call that. Like, hey, how about I fire up on you three times? And I'm like, no, I'm like that's not realistic. You might hit me, hit me, and then bump me, or something like that. But or but why would you close Why me? Close on me? Close on your back elbow? Close on whatever? It just doesn't make sense to me, you know. And then even taking certain moves—if you take a drop kick, you don't have to take a crazy bump out of it. You know, you can just stagger back. Same thing with the European uppercut, stuff like that. But I think a lot of us professional wrestlers are told, to, "Oh." And yes, to me, I do find it as a pet peeve because I'm like, why don't you just sell it realistically? Make that crowd gasp, make that crowd think, like, oh my god, he's really hurt. Because that's what I'm here for. Well, I don't want people to think I'm dying when I get hit, you know? And when I hit people, I don't want you to think I killed them. Because I almost did. <laughs> you know?
2: Obviously, Japan has a rich history of the shoot style wrestling and mixing wrestling and MMA styles. Um, I was wondering if Japan was on your radar at all as part of your indie wrestling career? It it
11: definitely is on the radar. It was definitely on the radar this year. Unfortunately, things fell through. I was supposed to go over to Tag with Jeff Cobb. Uh, They weren't fond of my past, so uh, they didn't allow me to participate. You know, I like their style, I like their culture, I fit in there. Everybody from New Japan, everybody in Japan, they love me, I love them, you know. It's nothing personal, it's just what it is, it's one of the things that they frow upon. that's There's nothing they can really do about it in the past in the past, you know. But yeah, I think down the line, regardless of my past, I will be in Japan, I'll be headlining shows and doing my thing, shoot stuff, very soon. But I assume
7: The big transition between MMA to wrestling is no weight cut. Um, you've said before how uh, much easier you find uh, wrestling because of the weight cutting. You look a lot more happier. I've followed your career in, in MMA. You look more happier. Is that a big part of the no like, weight cut, and the, the travel? Uh, you
11: so the way kind. Yes, uh, that, honestly that's the biggest thing. It's amazing that you brought that up. When I fight in the UFC, I, I, I weigh 220 pounds. And when I fought in the UFC, I fought 170 pounds. So I cut about 50 pounds over time, over about six to eight weeks. And it, it was rough. I would be pissing blood by like the last week, you know. Like really dehydrated just trying to make that weight. And flying? I don't know why, but whenever I flew overseas, I couldn't sleep. I was just dressed in sweat, when I went to bed, and I, I just felt horrible. And I like, showed in my fights a lot of times overseas. But since I've been wrestling, I'm not cutting anywhere. I'll be honest, since I stopped cutting, away, I just feel amazing. I'm like 10 times stronger, faster, happier, and life has just been a real treat after the UFC. I'm really happy. And uh, but traveling now is super easy. Like I said, I just, I just flew from New Jersey, New Jersey to Florida, Florida to Dublin, Dublin to here, and then I'm we gonna wrestle here this weekend. I fly home Monday, Tuesday, I fly to Australia and do a tour there, then I fly back, and then of course, I'm wrestling all over the United States when I get back. But you know, really now because I can eat, I can drink a lot, I can do this, I can relax, I don't have to worry about somebody in the cage, you just have to work with people, and honestly, man, I'm really happy, like, I don't think I've ever been this happy in my life, and I've said it before, but I really mean it. like, I'm like, this is, this is awesome, like, you guys are here, I'm here, in Germany we're gonna be in Australia in a couple more days, we're doing 16 pairs, this shit's crazy, you know, and, yeah, it's just awesome, man. it's good stuff. Man. All right thank you, man.
0: Thank you, bro. Here it comes again, lunch.
9: At the after party yesterday everybody was smiling, everyone was so happy, I talked to us so happy, and you guys all and uh uh Robert Willard everyone was so positive after yesterday's show. What's your overall impression of the day, the overall day yesterday, and especially the uh six-kirat gold two show? it's
12: one of the five greatest things I've ever seen. <laughs> <and> <laughs> the, the whole thing obviously wasn't a short-term decision or something, but this was a long-term plan. And to know that this will happen, it's you create the surprise for the fans and for the viewers, and that, of course, is a big thrill, and for everyone who sees this, it's a big deal and it's a big surprise. But the, uh, the other side of the curtain is very different from that, because basically you prepare something for so long and you yeah you, you have, have to lie to. to pretty much everybody else. Maybe, I would say ten people knew that Bilial would come in, even until before he came out. Nobody saw. Him. It was a surprise to everybody in the team as well. And. Uh, to ensure something like 17th anniversary, where you could so easily cash in on, on the buildup that you did, to see that, to have that not happen straight before Christmas, it, it was hard to be honest. I, like I thought about, we thought about maybe switching it around and getting the the instant gratification, but no. At the end, like no, this was the right plan, and let's not get nervous about this. Let's just do it, and. Um, so to know all this and to endure people saying, oh, the roster got weaker yet again with Julia leaving and stuff like that, to not write, hey, can't you just wait for a week once and let us do our job? It's hard sometimes. And uh, yes, I can't remember how often I look to my... Uh, cell phone yesterday and thought okay how long until this happens because it was the it was the reward for the for the work that everybody did. and also the reward for the discipline For uh, somebody like you yeah it's very important to wrestle and to take that away from him for two months it's a big deal for him as well like it's it's not that he Of course, he was in on it, but of course he wasn't excited about not resting for two months. He understood why we did it, and of course he was on board, and of course he had that reaction yesterday. But this was a lot of work, a lot of discipline going in, and for that all to pay off. I have... You described it exactly right. The energy in the building was amazing. Like, I've never seen so many happy people in one place. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, the rest is fake, but the emotion is real. And that was a wonderful proof of that Yes. I think everybody who
6: was involved
12: in putting up this product was very proud and very happy
4: with this. And okay. yeah, I'm <laughs> Good morning, Christian. Uh, A year ago in the media center you said you you envisaged that the 16 carat weekend would become more of a festival with different wrestling promotions running and a lot more wrestling for the traveling fans. Uh, Obviously we've seen this weekend with Wrestling Deutschland and the Cult Temple, uh, sorry, the uh, Wrestling Cult. What's your impression of that and has it been the success that you thought it
6: would be? Yes, (laughs)
12: Yes, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm happy with the outcome, definitely, um, the thing is all of us I think are guilty of living inside the rest of the world. and it's very easy to get caught up with uh, inner working Another promotion or something or we're thinking if we just make sure we get enough of the cake everything's good it's not true the cake has to be bigger, and that's the and that's the that's the thing that i want to achieve because when i started in germany with wrestling there was nothing like a professional promotion it was all crap pretty much and um, in America, or in England, or in Mexico, or Japan, you have markets that are, like, developed if you see it in the economic sense. This is uh, Ethiopia. And um, the fact that it's possible to create something like this is due to the hard work of everybody here, because we want this to happen. It's not like, oh, there is no water supply in Oberhausen, let's sell water. No. <laughs> this is a very unnecessary profit. And in order to make it work, it has to overdo. And we cannot do this by ourselves. There needs to be a industry, so to say. And the illusion that is inside the rest of the world, sometimes, is that there is this flourishing market in Germany with ten promotions who are all competing for the top spot. It's not like that. There are a lot of people German wrestling who just do it for fun, who just do it and fun is good, fun is okay, but then there's people who do it for ego and just to have, you know, it's, it's like Play-Doh. You know, you want to be the creator. And if I have 5,000 Euro in the status account, you know, I can open the match up for you to see. there. my Play-Doh page here. So see, this is what I can do. This has nothing to do with professional wrestling. And Wrestling Deutschland features people and organizations and groups that, um, Given a lot into the development of the German wrestlers. For example, next step wrestling, you can say about well, the Schwinger Club all at once, but the Oberschlinger is actually one of the trainers of Julia. All these promotions have supplied us with and, and nobody was jealous. It's not like, oh, they stole Julia and now we have problems looking in. They're all happy. They were all on the balcony yesterday. They all cried when Julia won the belt. It's, it's not that it's it's not that it's a jealousy thing, It is everybody has to understand that for wrestling to work in Germany there needs to be an industry on many different levels and there needs to be processed. And what I would to do with wrestling Deutschland is show the people in these smaller promotions who so often are just uh, narrow-minded and put in the idea that oh, we can always just run a gym more. Yeah, I bought that 10 years ago as well, but it's not the case. I want to show the people what's possible if you work together, if you do it right, if you do it for the right reasons. Then there is no glass ceiling. It's... <clears throat> this is a very long answer, so I'm, I'm tired, sorry. And um, the thing is... People sometimes think that a wrestler who wrestles twenty times a year is only not as good as I don't know, Andy or Bones or Julia or whatever, because they wrestle sixty times a year. But that's not the case. Most most people in wrestling don't even know that there is something to know. And that's what's so sad. And it's the same thing in Germany. And this is supposed to be the one that art event, like the biggest event in German wrestling, this is what 16 character is supposed to be. If it's the biggest event in German wrestling, then people should should have satellites around it. And something like wrestling pool, it would be so easy to see this as a competition. No, it's the sign that everything's going in the right direction. That's why they put on the show here, and there is nothing we have to lose that. It's all game. So this exactly this what happened here this year has to go on.
5: Uh, first of all uh, congratulations on an amazing weekend thanks for all of you You've been doing for as well, the, 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 the interviews you've been able to set up and stuff like that was really helpful for us. <laughs> um, you've mentioned back in October when we last had this talk that you would like to be known in the world of wrestling um, as the promotion with the best storytelling. And I think that yesterday which, uh, with a masterful story, which um, is see the again. So um, you've talked about briefly that this was a uh, long term storyline. Can you tell us a bit, um, when the, when the plan for this was put into effect? did it actually start? Uh, did, did, did you have that in mind as the combination when we, uh, last year, won the carrot and maybe we we'll talked a little bit about the whole creative process involved? So who are the main people involved in the storyline behind the scenes? So was it was well, yeah, involved or was it a team effort that it might be good to know for, for everybody um, how to achieve something like that. Um,
12: thank you for having me first. Um, pretty much everything in WSO is something we like, I remember this has been talked about for the first time in summer. And I think the definitive decision was made in late summer, early autumn, or something like that. Um, Obviously, I don't want to talk about like the details of the creative process too much because, as we have seen yesterday, k is not dead, and that is very important. People always say k is dead. There is no people don't see a reason in working with the audience. The only reason there is wrestling is working the audience. Like, it's not hard to count who can shop more, but it's hard to do something like that. And that is why I think it's important to leave a bit of a curtain in front certain So, the plan was done late summer, and what was the rest of the... I apologize, what was the rest of the question? Um, we have made the decision uh, to not publicly disclose who the people are because we, ju- we also want to protect them from number one journalists but also people from the inside starting lobbying and everything. So it's a secret, so to say, like I'm involved. And if you read the credits for Shotgun and the Marquis, closely, I think you can get a pretty good idea of who the people are that work together. So, no. Yeah, yeah, I think, it's fine, i never thought about this, but knowing me, I think he doesn't see himself in a position to suggest things like that. Like, all his energy goes in his work and in his character. And uh, as he does a pretty good job with that, I feel obliged to do a pretty good job with telling the story around him.
2: What do you think has been the biggest developments in the WXW product in the last year? And are there any disappointments personally? Things that you haven't thought have come off as well as you wanted them to? The biggest
12: development, I think, is uh, a maturation process. Is that a word? Okay. (laughs) It's a maturation process in the. I think WXW does a lot of things very different from most or any other resting promotions. And to do that you have to be pretty... Uh, what is grusel? Megalomain? Is that a word uh, In order to think that you can, in the year 2018, you can pull off a product where you work with the people, where you can create real emotion for that. That takes a bit of a Napoleon complex, which is good because... Uh, yeah, No, but... Um, So I think the big development is the maturation, that we're not afraid. We, like, since I can think, we've always, like different people, wrestlers, staffers, us, we've always had different ideas on how to present wrestling, because I was never content with saying, okay, KFAM is dead, we just need to book the best work on it. I was never content with that, because to me that is unattractive. I don't see a challenge in that. And um, I think more and more in carrot and League last year were the where we saw okay we do our our thing now and everybody loves it and so I think this maturation process really. Belie- Ideas and being like, no, we don't need PWI number one versus PWI number two. No, we need a good story because our roster and our wrestlers are so good that they can pull it off. And that is the biggest thing there. Uh, negative things, um, yeah, of course. I mean, there, you, you always have, especially if you if you look at it through the eye of somebody who. Um, like you envision an event. If you put on an event, you envision what's going on, and uh, you will never achieve a 100% uh, carbon copy of what you imagine to happen. And of course, um, that are minor things where you're not happy, but overall, actually, I'm. Um, I'm very harsh and I'm very critical about us. And but I think on a day like yesterday, it's okay to say this was a good day. So
9: as said, you just mentioned shotgun. Um, I believe that shotgun was very instrumental in the success of Six Underground because people got so invested into different characters and uh, and must, especially for Tamuah, doing that up What's your opinion about up in recent weeks, since it? Yeah, we kicked him out. No, <laughs> <So>, great decision. <laughs> Thank you.
12: Um, no, the, um, I think. Shotgun started just as a way to somehow combine all clips and all advertisements into one form, which everyone should watch. And of course, you tend to like the output your team does more than you probably should, so I always thought, well, Shotgun is, of course, it's not product or anything, but it does it for shotgun. And with time, I think more and more we get the uh, impression or the insight that actually shotgun makes sense to nobody but to us. Like, it only makes sense if you are in the team and involved with it all the time. It wasn't focused on the viewer. And there are some big hurdles to achieve that. Um, because, of course, if you do nothing else, it's Easy to do a wrestling program. But if you put up 70 shows a year, have a wrestling academy, and all of that stuff, everything gets a logistical hustle. And um, so to me, the the restart of Shotgun. There were certain things that we needed to accomplish. We needed to have the opportunity to shoot promos um, in our office. So like we needed a studio and we needed somebody who could operate the studio and also the cutting and editing um, equipment. So that was one thing which obviously happened through Katja. Then we need a, a location that we can use all the time, um, which we have arranged with Bar of Nerveld in Cologne. And we needed a fresh, we needed a fresh vision. I mean, for example, this is something I'm very happy to share about the creative process. Um, There is no course at university how to structure a weekly wrestling TV show. So you have to figure it out yourself. And uh, I think there is different possible approaches. And WXW is not written around shotgun, but shotgun is written around WXW. And I think that is what you mentioned as well. There is the Tim Thatcher vignette because something like Friday. So it's always this way around. And I think the part that was missing the most was an intelligent, logical, and exciting way to go through it. How it is built, like what the order of the seconds is, what the um, um, yeah, what review? Okay, what review uh, on the uh, on the happening? Is there early on shotgun, last week on shotgun, next week on shotgun? And we've given that into the hand of Dennis because he showed interest in this in this part of the shotgun process and. He's in charge of the finalized running model now, for example. And I think this has been a big improvement as well. So I'm really happy with Shotgun as it is right now, but of course, that's the thing, um, we have never shown shotgun from, uh, from one location. So now we have this one location, which is a hustle, which is expensive, which is hard to get arranged 12 times a year. And the first thing people comment on is, ooh, shotgun looks shitty, the production value at 60 karat is better. Yeah, of course it is. And that is, and that again shows us, because it is true. Ah. And that shows us the next steps of development. This has, to, this has to go on and on and on. Like, it's not that I can tell you here how we build this WXW. Thing. It's an ongoing process and it's a, yeah, you're, you're a part of the process. It's, you are watching it happen, pretty much. So Shotgun is a work in progress and I think it will get even better. But the jump in quality, I've, we have done several steps in the past, but this has been the biggest for sure.
4: Speaking of ongoing developments, we've seen, um, a bit of a, we've seen a bit of a restructure in the Tub this uh this festival. Um, is, have you thought of any plans of moving somewhere else bigger? Because we, yesterday you drew the biggest crowd in WXW history. Can we announce this? Uh, 16
12: karat next year is going to be in Tubin 101 1, which now has a complete balcony setup. So we will also offer uh, balcony standing places as well, so there will be like a two-dimensional arena. Two-dimensional, obviously. Three, but it's two-layer or whatever. <laughs> yeah, the Earth is flat, I heard. Uh, the- okay. <laughs> Talk about that, but... What's the capacity? Sorry? Capacity? I don't know yet, but what? 1,500? Definitely. Yeah. So,
5: let's do it, guys. <laughs> uh, coming back to Western rest yesterday. Um, I really enjoyed the show. I thought it was a very diverse uh, showing of what the various and uh, smaller promotions in Germany have to offer. Um, can you talk a little bit about um, how... The whole process got started. So, did you reach out to the promotions you wanted to post, or was it a, kind of an open process so anybody could apply? And also, did you guys have any say in what talent or matches um, were being put on? And the final question on the topic I saw live um, commentary being done. So, is that show going really be released,
6: and on what platform?
5: The
12: first question was We reached out to most promotions of notoriety in Germany uh, before the official announcement was made, and that is, I think, a tactic. Was the announcement, and we had, I think, four promotions that said yes, then, and then we also added like the open reputational open uh, for, for promotions to apply, and then, of course, uh, also some other promotions came in. Um, I think we only rejected one promotion that was, like, just purely not professional whatsoever. Like, it was not the stand that you would want to present here. Um, it was open to everybody else. A lot of promotions declined, which to me is an interesting decision, but it's not... It's not I'm not the one to judge about this, but um, that's because that's the thing. There were no um, rules no whatsoever. This was an actual invitation to put on a mesh of their show. Like everybody could nominate the people they wanted, the match they wanted, the stipulation they wanted, and the winner they wanted. The only thing that we did was put it together, put the running order together so it makes sense and decide time so it isn't five hours long like any other show. And that's the only thing that our input was. The rest was free for them to use. And the third question was, oh yeah, um, we thought about this, and again, it's resting deutschland, I mean, is not being on deutschland, so um, we want to put it on YouTube. Like, we talk to everybody and we want to put this for free, we want to put this online for free for everybody, and also all the promotions get the material, so if they have DVD releases or VOD networks or whatever, they can also publish it themselves. But, Beginning mid April, whenever Katja is uh, rising from the dead again, um, we will release them on YouTube for free for everyone to watch, and also every promotion
8: will get it.
7: I hope so. Hi, Christian. Um, obviously, for half of myself and my thing for an uh, amazing weekend so far. Um, I was really impressed by Tony Storm and uh, the Grey yesterday. It was an excellent match, and the storyline has been, been superb as well. We sit here with about 16 carat We have a development on the women's division, but we have a potential in the future sit here with a women's 16 carat tournament.
12: Um, for now I would say no. Number one is because obviously we have thought about this, like I was, uh, I had... Um, my education is the very cold-hearted one of a uh, business uh, administration, manager, whatever that means um, So of course the idea was, if you have a brand that's successful, use it to push other products. So of course the idea was, why don't we just do 16 karat gold tag team? But I think it would bastardize the product and it would dilute the identity and the meaning, it also, it not only has to the promotion, but also to its fans. So, the decision was made to 16-karat gold is this one gift, um, and this one form of tournament. Um, 16-karat gold women, it would always be the comparison. And if there is one thing that is really harmful to women's wrestling, is the comparison between men's and women's wrestling. Um, Because it's unfair, not because men are superior, but because men have been supported and uh, pushed for a hundred years while women's wrestling is around for, I don't know, of course there's been building work and everything, but it really be a thing that is featured and pushed and supported. I think we all have to, we can always say, but at the end the women really makes the rules. And when they start to really push the women, that is when wrestling as a whole really starts to push the women. So I think um, the women's wrestling scene as a whole isn't ready to support something like 16 characters for women. Not because the girls wouldn't want it or aren't. Uh, able enough, but I just think the whole idea of women's wrestling hasn't short enough, and especially with the it's you. This is a, this is a building process. You know, I don't I don't want to start with, okay, here's the women and here's the 30 men uh, the 30-minute iron board and mention something like this. You, as the viewers, are on the right with us, and on the right, in this case, to the women's division, and to a developed women's division where everything is interlocked and everything makes sense. And the match yesterday that you mentioned is a very good example of that. If it wouldn't have been for, like, of course, we've talked, said this, and I've said this too, the the tournament for the titles went to shits, there is no way to talk about this, but for everything, that, um, for everything that has happened, I think the match between Tony and Melanie couldn't have happened if, if it would have just been Tony versus somebody from someone. This match to me has, as well as the main event, or as well as Bobby and Bailey shows to me, what you can achieve by investing into characters and investing into
2: storylines. And that is what we want to do. Have you had the chance to watch any other promotion stuff uh, recently? And if so, what ideas have you picked up, if any, from watching them? Um, of course, like, like
12: I'm not a wrestling fan in that sense that I watch wrestling all the time, and it's like. Too, when I come home from work, it is part of work, and that's fine because it's a very good work. <laughs> so um, I, I, I watch a lot of other promotions, but I never watch or I rarely watch an entire show. I rarely watch an entire match. I try to. I, I try to have people who feed me things that are relevant to them and who know what they are talking about. Because if I'm honest. I'm, I think all of you know more about the current wrestling scene than I do. It's, it's just not what I am looking into anymore or what I can invest my time into looking in anymore. Um, People like David Starr, when he came here, I've never heard about that guy. When Keith Lee broke out, I think... When he was brought up for this tournament, I didn't know who he is, things like this. But then people will feed me links and look at this, and this is good, and you might like this, and this is interesting, and this is the new stuff. And so I can get an overview, because that is the best I can hope for, to be honest, to get an overview um, I tend to watch the big, like that is something that actually has remained a very innocent fan consumption experience. Like I watch the big WWE pay per views and I watch them without. I watch them with the eyes of a joyous child. To be honest, because if the Royal Rumble happens or if WrestleMania happens. Whoever feels bad about what happens there, I have no idea how that's possible. Like, I don't understand how that's possible because the thing is, there is not the one right solution to wrestling. And I think a lot of fans seem to believe that there is the one way and that is what has to happen. No. And if you have a Rostov, WWE, you have I think 200 people under contract or anything. There's 199 routes you cannot go if you pick the one that you pick. So people who have people who follow the 199 different ideas and think they are right will give you a lot of shit and the people who think that the one that you chose is right, you know, it's 0.5% then. That was almost Steiner. (laughs) <laughs> and that's the thing, you know. I don't understand this jadedness, and I don't understand the bitterness and the negativity towards this stuff. When I watch something, I want to watch. It. I want to watch it either to laugh, in and see or I watch it to enjoy it and to have fun. And the last thing I watched for example was the Elimination Chamber, and. You know, I'm honest here. If if it's Cesaro and Sheamus versus uh, Titus worldwide, yeah okay, no need. Like I'm I i will not bother myself watching this and writing on Twitter how shitty it is. What's the benefit in this, you know? I I, I was so happy about I was so happy to see the women. Performing in this way it was tremendous to me. The knowing what it takes to put on the things that, for example, we do, which are sometimes production heavy, it's I can tell you from the perspective of somebody who does it, it's mind-blowing to me how perfect the things are out. The way the illumination chamber, for example, is constructed, booked, filmed, and ex- executed, no promotion in the world, and especially nobody who books at home, could come up with anything even remotely as good and well executed is this. There are great wrestling matches in the gym hall, of course, and that's great, you know? But there's all these different things that you can catch. And sometimes it's it's a comedy spot that I see in some gym hall in, uh, I don't know, some, <coughs> some gym hall in, in the U.S., and sometimes it's something I see at Wrestlemania. I try to look at things structurally. I can give one example. I have a theory, I don't know if it's true, but I think WWE has pre programmed cutting on entrances. Like, when somebody in WWE does an entrance, there is always a certain order of shots that are used. For example, only Cena gets a big pan over the crowd. The position of the camera to the guy who comes out, when does he come out, how is this put to the music, the, the angle, the frame that is shown. It isn't random, it doesn't happen by accident, it doesn't happen because there's this one genius in the cutting truck, but I'm pretty sure there is a pre-programmed order of the cuts and, and camera shows. And to think about that, and to think about that, it's possible to do something. That is what inspires me. Uh, Stringer, for example, wrote that it got colder in the venue. But Melody Gray. yes, this was a conscious decision because she is the cold-hearted queen. And well, Tony was at least half, at <laughs> least the right side work. But uh, with you know, I want to, I want to use, 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 seems so abusive. I want to stimulate all senses when it comes to wrestling. Wrestling life can be such a intense experience you know and yeah there's so much inspiration out there and i try to get as much as possible and to apply as much as
5: possible i think Um, think one question everybody asked themselves yesterday after the event is uh, how are you going to top that next year and um, do you Already have some kind of idea in your head where you say if all the things and all the pieces fall into place, then there might be a way to at least achieve the same level or get bigger than that next year from an emotional or storytelling standpoint. The good thing is I have
12: a year to think about that. And also the even better thing is that I'm not the only one who comes up with ideas, but it's mostly me editing, uh, editing other people's ideas. Um, to honest, this yesterday felt like something very extraordinary. like. Somebody was there and he said, the only emotion I can compare this to is the birth of my child. And I was like, what? I, you, you stop bullshitting, you can't uh, tell. And he was like, yeah, of course, this is something different. But this was 90% of that emotion. And I'm not... Um, I'm not. I'm not that big-headed to think that uh, we can achieve that like other people make rap. This is not something that you can produce. But all the right factors have to come together for that. So I won't make the promise that we top this next year. This is not a heroin addiction, you know, if we can, can accompany life and have this amazing high sometimes and have an amazing low sometimes and have real life struggle in between and can actually, if we can display what life is through wrestling, I think that's something worth following and that is what I'm always trying for.
4: Okay, I've got a sort of double-headed thing here. I want to know um, your reactions towards the uh, the bigger interest in ambition. Um, we had a bigger crowd this year than ever before again, um, and also what happened with it yesterday was amazing. But it definitely is not the only story coming up the weekend. Um, the developments in Bobby Guns and Marisalani as well. Uh, I'd like to hear your
12: reactions on that if you've been. I start off with this because it's very easy. Yesterday, I told Bobby how proud I am because he, for two days he wrestled on high level with Mike, and to me, Mike Bailey is amazing. Like Mike Bailey, to me, is the modern day Ricky Steamboat. Like he is what Ricky Steamboat would be in 2018, and. Um, he, so, for, for Bobby to wrestle like this, with this confidence, with the crowd reacting like this, and Bobby being a guy who had his first training and also his last in the Hot academy, I mean, there's nothing greater than this. You know, I've, I've always... Barcelona won the Champions League with eight players in the starting eleven that were trained by themselves. That is success. And that is what I want. And I think we're getting closer and closer to this. Because it's not me wanting to be the math professor who controls everything. It. It's if we, if we train the awareness of our wrestlers from the start, they know what. We want, sounds so bossy, but they, they have the direction in which they can see what wrestling should be or what wrestling could be if they like it to be. So that is of huge uh, advantage. Um, ambition is a product that Taz and I and Felix are very passionate about it. Um, because it looks like the thing is, Tim Thatcher cut a promo that I could have not delivered as well, but it's my thought exactly. I don't, like, there are very different wrestling styles, but there is one right one. And that is the one that is based in real craftsmanship. And that is what income stands for and that is what I think WSW as a whole is getting more and more into. Everything that happens here is based in craft. Like there is so much production nowadays that you could say it's all smoke and mirrors, but it's not because those people work so hard and are so good. and. I think ambition has also helped in establishing this idea, because watching ambition, I think, is an educational process for the viewer as well. It's not, of course, it's fun, but it also educates you because you can see how the, how a hold is applied. You can see how you can counteract it, and thus you uh, expand the vocabulary of the fan. So if he sees a certain hold, he knows about certain ideas now. Or if somebody lies a choke and somebody has his hand in it, it's not in. And these are things that MMA fans know. But if I see some shoe wrestlers sometimes, not even they know how the shoe hold looks. And so to instill this in the viewer and to instill the idea that a hold is hold, and it's not just waiting for the crowd to go. But it's a story that is told. That is, I think, something that Ambition has helped us through in So, I hope that ambition, ambition will go on forever. And the fact that so many people are interested in doing Ambition and more like, for example, Walter got into martial arts because he wanted to do Ambition because he admired it so much. And he's not the only one in WHW who has done that. And I just, I just hope this goes on forever because it's so a nice change of pace to this weekend. It has a little to, to nothing to do with the big evening show, but I think it helps a lot in establishing many of Good
6: morning,
9: Christian. Uh, you did for the first time the gift drive. Uh, how interesting or hard was it to look back to fun to you or was it hard to see and you not know, just to talk, you see it on a big screen here. Tell us a little bit about your thoughts, about looking back to go off the test Like um, when we got out of
12: Gift shop, I wasn't happy at all. I thought that was not a good performance and it wasn't a good event. And it was boring. And um, because I wasn't I wasn't happy with with my energy level at all that I wasn't having preparation because at the end of the day, we'd rather make sure that this works than the Tess and I look good on the stage. You know, that doesn't matter at all, it's, it's, uh, it's not important. So gift Giftschlag clearly was the foster child. Of the weekend, like it was the one that had a bit of a um, treatment, and I wasn't happy. I came home and read 50 tweets, and how much fun everybody had, so I was a bit consoled and thought, okay, maybe we get another chance next year to improve, to make it better, to, to get more entertaining, good, and be prepared better as well. Um, yeah, watching this is ridiculous to me. Like, I, the thing is. I've said this in an interview before, what we did 10 years ago wasn't love, it was just... Um, um, shouldn't use so many words in English. Uh, What's that? It was certainly a hobby, but we thought we got it going on. Like, I can tell you, 2007, 2008, 2009, we thought we we have it figured out. And WXW is the greatest thing in the world. And it took me 2010 and 2011 to realize, it's... no, <laughs> it's not good at all. And of course, we can produce events that the fans enjoy and that are good. But where's the development? Where's the vision? Where are the things, Where are the things that are happening? So, um, looking at this is sometimes painful because it reminds me of how easy it is to get blinded by success. Because those were successful shows back then, I mean, some of you were there, it was cool, it was fun, everybody had fun, the crowd was sold out, but we didn't care for anything. We didn't really care for the rest of us, there were no uh, first aid to uh, the locker room was the fucking uh, boiler room. Um, the transportation of the wrestlers. It always... The, the, the good guy who felt... who was the one who felt responsible always had to do all the work while the others were drinking. It was an abusive... Uh, process or an abusive state. And of course the fan doesn't see this. But I'm happy... People told me, and I could see it then, and change because it was not good. It was wrong. It like and to see it, of course, it's funny because Marx Labor gets killed, but it's it's embarrassing sometimes, and it's also to see. These are the mistakes people do now in other situations. You achieve a certain kind of success, and you find enough people who pat your back and be like, oh, this was great, and this was the greatest start of all time, from 120 fans, and then you get happy with and that is, yeah, I feel embarrassed looking back to this. It, it great, it's great memories, but it was wrong. The concept of it, the, uh, the workings of it were wrong. And I'm very happy we got the chance, and people stayed with us in 2010 and 11 and 12. I'm very happy we got the chance to yeah, not start again, but to rethink everything and make it right.
9: I want to go back to Ambition for a question man, because we're a big fan of Ambition on the concept of the concept as well as the stuff of style and we also talk about pushing other brands uh, within the concept of the 60-year-old I think uh, Ambition is benefiting very much from 60-year-old uh, when Star Air a standalone show it was very successful back then but uh, do you think that there is a mark of standalone Ambition shows in the future? There might be, but... It's
12: not our part, like, like, back in 2011 or something, we tried, we had the idea, okay, maybe this wrestling thing, because, as I said back then, that was the time where we realized things are bad. Maybe we just do it visually, and maybe we just revolutionize wrestling. Actually, the idea was maybe this will become wrestling in Germany, which would be cool as well, I guess. Um, but no. Um, A professor of mine always said, do what you can be best and outsource the rest. So um, I want to stay with what we can do and I want to invest as much energy as possible in getting this as big as possible. Any distractions and side projects are nice to have, but this is what it's about.
6: Uh,
7: uh, good morning. Um, the, uh, this, as well as also season the this weekend, uh, some uh, some members of the WBO Academy have been spending time at Piping Spirit Wrestling in North of England. Um, Jack Zach Gibson and James Drake. um how did that come about? And um, you know, what sort of uh, thing do you expect to get out of this uh, partnership? Uh,
12: Walter works for progress, Zach Gibson and James Drake work for progress, they talk, done. <laughs> so this, there were no negotiations in uh, in restaurants, I think it was just, hey, let's do it, because I think there is a mutual respect between Walter and Zach and James, so it was set up very easily. I think um, after seeing it as well, like there were two one-week seminars uh, in the past, and uh, yeah, after seeing what they can do and after seeing what kind of ideas they've gotten, I think it's very important that once you've gotten to a certain level of basic efficiency and safety, it's very important to pretty much abort everything, go somewhere, learn it another way and then edit yourself on what the right thing is and then you can do this again and, again and again. So I think for resting students it's very beneficial to go to different places to train um, and also Actually, this weekend, uh, Fight Müller, who is also one of our younger wrestlers, he went, I like him too, he went He went to uh, to England to basically do the, do the return visit. So I hope this will go on more and more and also in more places. Obviously, it's very interesting to send people to Mexico, Japan,
6: America, UK. And with the Wrestling Academy, I think
12: it's a very good place to get basic education and it's also a very good place to get the the final education, like to shape you in an active wrestler. But I think if you just follow our way, it's also not right. Because it's not, as I said, there's not the one book, there's many books. And if we can lay the foundation and make sure everybody is safe, and if also we can shape we can help shape the wrestler into the character and personality that he wants to be. I think it would be very beneficial if he would have learned a couple of other things. In yeah.
5: Number one, can you tell us about the status of Rich Swan, who is the first uh, person to start a and who is the site who defends all these bookings? And also, is uh, Jörg still involved in the company? Um,
12: number one, I think Rich Swan implied that he would fulfill all of the bookings that he agreed on. And as he agreed on the booking with us, I have no reason to think that he will not be it. Did he cancel his booking? Not yet, first of all, Like I, this, I have no information about this at this point and if this should be true, yeah, we have to deal with it. <laughs> um, and question number two. We are currently in the process of Jörg selling his shares to the company. It's just, you know, doing things for so long. It's just... We are all crazy to do this for so long. You know, it's normal that people who invest so much of their past time into something, at a certain point, they drop it, and that's also what happened, and you you got less and less involved, and
2: now you can sell other shows as well. So, WXW have been running shows in London for for a few times now. Um, What do you think you're getting out of it? Are you enjoying those shows? And do you like having a different crowd, a different audience there?
6: Like,
12: um, there's a saying in German, it's bringing olds to endless. Is there an English version of this? It means bringing something to a place where they have an abundance of it anyway. Like, for a German promotion to bring a wrestling show to London, it makes no sense if you think about it in an amazing way. There are so many wrestlers, and you know, but. Due to our uh, cooperation with Progress, it's um, yeah, how can I say it? It's, it was an opportunity that opened and that we wanted to dive into. Obviously, also due to WSW now and, uh, and us having many subscribers from the UK visiting those people, showing them that we care because we do a lot. It means a lot to. Me. That it is not only this not only, is meant bad, but it's not just German people who watch it, but that we, in a sport that has a very German, uh, English American connotation in people's heads, that people from these countries think that our product is cool is crazy to me. Because um, in Germany, everybody thinks that wrestling from the UK and America is superior anyway. And the fact that people uh, in the UK go nuts for our restaurants and for our product it's very, 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 very rewarding because it's we haven't, like, we haven't worked for that, might be, uh, But the people got the information themselves. It's not that we sent uh, letters to everyone, being like, "Hey, wrestling fans, it's German wrestling." But people found out about themselves. The hype was created. People like you share the information and write about it, and people got invested and interested in it, in it, out of themselves. And that means a lot to me because it's very. It's very surprising to me. And the fact that in London the atmosphere is so great, the people are accepted so much. It's it's awesome. Because you know you you look at you look at these saturated and mature scenes, or I look at them, with such a like, they did it. Over over decades they have proven it. And us in Germany, we fucked up. After CWA closed down, everybody got into alcohol and um, bitterness. And it, ten years were taken away from our wrestling scene. And that didn't happen anymore. So that we apparently are able to close this gap is great. And it's always a tremendous experience. And I think every wrestler who's on these shows feels very, very... This, these days like this, or like these in London, are the days where the people can go out and feel like stars. And I think that's very important for the confidence and for the ability to be stars. Because yesterday, the last three matches were our titles contested. And that says it all.
5: All right. I think there's a wonderful
9: conclusion. Media Center. Thank you, guys, for being part of it once
12: again. Oh, I would, I would like to say hi to you as well. That's... Yeah.
10: I had to push it out. <laughs> yeah, I <thank> know.
6: <you. laughs> <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, <coughs> Yeah,
12: thank you so much for coming, Um, there are so many elements that make a weekend like this happen and it is a very, like I think you have probably better insight into this than most other people looking in from the outside, I think this is a very complex uh, construction here and it wouldn't work at all without so many people working here. Like, I just, I just want you to know as well, if you talk about WXW, please don't talk about me. Talk about WXW, talk about the team. Because they are the ones who make this happen. What, what is going on here to me is unbelievable. I go home tonight and I will fall asleep and be dead for a week. Katya works three days more after she did all of this to put this out of WXW now. I've seen the world, I've seen walks, I've seen everything